0: Hello fellow Kentuckians and other friends and welcome to a new edition of My Old Kentucky Podcast. My name is Robert Connie and I am all alone this week. Yes, that is right. Today... We have no guests, we have no co-host. It is just me. I am going to be talking about a few items of news on today, which is inauguration day. Governor Bashir is in Frankfurt along with Lieutenant Governor Jacqueline Coleman being re-inaugurated for their second terms today along with all the other constitutional officers who won their elections this fall. So that is going on in Frankfurt right now today, which is I will say one of the reasons i could have had trouble getting a guest host but i will be honest and say i didn't try that hard today to find anybody else to do it Uh, so you're stuck with just me if you're listening and thank you for listening if you are i'm going to talk about three things today the first is a ruling in the franklin county circuit court about charter schools uh we've talked about this this court quite a bit because most constitutional challenges go through it and one of the judges there judge philip Shepard, made a ruling in a charter school law Uh, charter school law case this week. In addition, we're going to talk a little bit more about JCPS buses. This has been an ongoing issue this year. There's been a little bit of a development a letter that went out from JCPS to their students um, and you know what that means for the future. And then lastly, the last thing I want to talk about is this one court case about uh, abortion in Kentucky. The ACLU and Planned Parenthood have stepped forward with a potential court case to uh, overturn Kentucky's laws around abortion. So I will uh, get into that a little bit. So without any further ado, let's talk a little bit about this charter school law. So today is December the 12th. Yesterday was December the 11th. And on that day, the December the 11th, Judge Philip Shepard issued a ruling saying that 20. I think it's 20. I think it's 21. Anyways, it was an HB nine, and it was either 2021 or 2022. The HB nine that year uh, established a funding mechanism for charter schools. That law is unconstitutional, according to Philip Shepard. So Shepard made this ruling based on a piece of the Kentucky Constitution that says that Kentucky can only collect money for what are called common schools, and that privately owned charter schools could not fit within the definition of common schools. So that is the crux of his argument that charter schools cannot be public schools, they cannot be common schools. So therefore, we cannot fund them with tax dollars. We talked quite a bit about HB9. It's 2022. There you go. During the 2022 session, the bill appeared dead because so many rural Republicans had joined in with Democrats to, you know, all Democrats to oppose that bill. But Republican leadership kind of like raised it from the dead at the end of the session. It passed by five votes in the House as a very close vote. Um, but it did pass and it was, you know, Tina Bojanowski, Representative Bojanowski was uh, one of the main people opposing it. And she really did think it was was finished. And then it kind of came back from the dead. It was very unfortunate, but it did go to the courts. And it does look like, uh, you know, the the circuit court there in Franklin County has ruled it unconstitutional. This ruling is definitely going to be appealed by charter advocates. And this issue is, I, you know, certainly headed to the Kentucky Supreme Court meanwhile existing charter schools are left without a funding mechanism there are no existing charter schools there haven't been any established in Kentucky, they were made legal in 2017. But of course, without a funding mechanism, you can't really do much, you just kind of have a private school. At that point, there was a school in Madison County that was hoping to become the first charter school in the state. The application is pending there in Madison County, you know, there's a whole set of rules that the 2017 law establishes to kind of create them in different groups that are allowed to like, charter schools, basically. And and so that That application is pending, but of course, without a funding mechanism, there isn't very much that they can do. One kind of unique thing about 2022's H.B. 9, this this law that was ruled unconstitutional is that it also required the operation of two charter schools, basically saying that Louisville and Northern Kentucky had to create pilot charter schools. Those have not yet opened. And, you know, it's up in the air. If If this law is unconstitutional, then Louisville and Northern Kentucky will not have to establish those charter schools. So, You know, this this court case has a long way to go. It has just been ruled upon by Philip Shepard, who, you know, he's we've talked about him lots and lots, both his election last year and just kind of generally the rulings he's made throughout the years. He does have a, you know, a, a troubling relationship with Republicans. He's thought of as like more liberal by Republicans, even though he does seem like he is pretty straight down the line. Republicans don't like him because he does. He has ruled against Republican issues in the past. And this is just another um, piece of evidence. I mean, I think, you know, supporters of, of Judge Shepard and supporters of, you know, <laughs> good laws would say, hey, if you wrote these things a little better, or didn't pass things that were clearly unconstitutional, you know, you would fare better in the courts. But you know, that's neither here nor there. There is rumbling that Republicans in the legislature would pursue a constitutional amendment that would allow charter schools that would, of course, render this entire like, oh, yeah, the Constitution doesn't allow charter schools issue moot, right? You would if the constitutional explicitly stated that charter schools are allowed, then of course, the constitutional would say that they're allowed. So, you know, this has been something that people have talked about quite a bit. And, and it has gotten a lot of kind of attention leading up to the 2024 General Assembly. It <laughs> I, I am. I am interested to see how Republicans pursue this because while Republicans are definitely ascendant in terms of their ability to win partisan elections, you know they are able to win par- like re- Republican versus Democrat elections in ways they have not been able to in the past at any point. There has not been a conservative ballot measure passed in Kentucky that I can remember. Anytime time recently um i think maybe like the gay marriage amendment back in like 2004 was the last time i can remember a constitutional amendment that republicans really pushed for that was passed by um by them maybe marcy's law although that was somewhat more bipartisan um, you know it was led by republicans uh you know but but like you know the abortion issue um the amendment one last year there, there's several other kind of like more progressive ballot measures in Kentucky um, that that have been won or conservative ones that have been defeated. So outside of kind of like partisan elections, it's, you know, Republicans don't fear nearly as well. And if they put this constitutional amendment to allow charter schools on the ballot, uh, you know, I think they run the risk of really like pushing Democratic turnout up because this is a thing that really animates, you know, Democrats in the state and gets them to turn out to vote to protect public schools. So, you know, I'll be very interested to see if that's a solution that they pursue or if they let it lie or if they continue to pursue it in the courts. I think likely they will pursue it in the courts. And like I said, I have no idea what they might do with everything there in the uh, in, in the, in the constitutional amendment realm. Okay, the next story I want to talk about is JCPS announcing that buses will not be guaranteed next year for all students. So Jefferson County Public Schools, the largest school district in the state of Kentucky, announced last week that they would not be able to guarantee buses for all children starting next year. And that's of course pending a decision from the school board. So we have known about this for some time. We've been talking about it on the show for some time. It was reiterated in a letter to students and families last week. So people who hadn't been paying that very close of attention to the news learned this week about this heavily discussed topic. And that's you know that they're uh, they're they're bus might not be guaranteed. And so this was heavily discussed here in Louisville last week. So the letter that went home said, quote, until that decision is finalized, we cannot confirm the availability of transportation services for students attending magnet schools or schools outside of their zone, unquote. So there's a couple of pieces of information to take away from this. So I, I do think that, like, until the decision is finalized means that the school board is going to have the final say. So, you know, I don't really know why JCPS is getting out ahead of this. I mean, I guess they want to give people time to plan. But it is ultimately ultimately a decision that the school board is going to be making, even though the administration, the, the uh, you know, JCPS's directors and etc. cetera, um, seem to think that this is the way that it's going to work. Um, You know, I also think that they're getting out ahead of the legislative session that starts next month. You know, it's it's unlikely that Republicans will fulfill their responsibilities to transportation costs, you know, state is supposed to provide transportation costs. They haven't done it well enough in Jefferson County to allow all students to have a bus in the recent years. And we've tried to do a bunch of different things to make ends meet in terms of transportation for all children. And, you know, that's kind of fallen apart over the past few years. And, you know, the the legislature certainly has the money to do it like they have the cash sit, they're sitting on the cash that they are able to spend in order to provide transportation funds to give every kid that needs a bus a bus. But I I don't think it's likely that they're going to pass it but but this letter may have gone out to try to create some sort of momentum hey contact your legislature hey you know talk to the folks in Frankfurt. try to get them uh, the money that we need to get your kid uh, you know a bus to your school Uh, I you know the children who are going to be impacted by this decision are 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 kids that are attending magnet traditional programs and, and kids that are going outside of their their home district. You know, those are the only ones that are slated to, lead to transportation. And if you've been following magnet school issues over the past several years, you, you have learned a little bit about some of the equity challenges that things like that face, you know, they're more likely to be applied for by children whose parents are much more involved in their education, um, you know, by, by parents who have the time and energy to dedicate the, the mental capacity to like navigating this system, Um, you know, and and typically, that's higher income, higher educated uh, parents, that sort of thing. So you know, this is just going to increase the equity divide in magnet schools by saying, you know, you can't get a bus, it's hard to imagine, like, children with parents who work multiple jobs, or both parents work hard and, and, you know, have to work early, that kind of thing, don't have as much flexibility. It's hard to imagine those kind of parents being able to provide transportation for their kids or who can pay or arrange for transportation outside of the bus system. So, you know, this is real troubling for equity. And, you know, if you're going to have magnet schools, I understand what they're saying, uh, in terms of like, well, you can not just go to your home school, but that is, That's tough. If you're going to have magnet schools, you're basically just creating uh, some significant equity issues in those schools by taking transportation away from kids who don't go to those schools. We'll see what goes on with transportation. This was just another wrinkle that arrived this week. So that's the second thing. I wanted to talk about and the third and last thing i wanted to talk about is this court case filed by the aclu and planned parenthood um, from a jane doe in kentucky who is suing the state for an abortion her case is a direct attempt to have kentucky's trigger ban and the six-week ban overturned on constitutional grounds So you may have heard recently about a court case in Texas where this woman who had a fetus that was not viable or was not, you know, compatible with life um, that, that, you know, was a fetal anomaly that, you know, that that's what my family experienced. And, you know, we we had that we had an abortion. You know, this woman was trying to basically have the same thing in Texas. And she was saying, like, because this baby does not have any, you know, is not compatible with life, I should be able to abort it. This court case here in Kentucky is different because she's not giving any sort of excuse. She's just saying I should have the right to an abortion because that should be my constitutional right. That is what she believes her right is under the Kentucky Constitution. And that that is in some ways like a more momentous case because if the Supreme Court rules in this person's favor, then they would have wide discretion basically in Kentucky to to have abortions. Of course, you know, we only had one abortion clinic in the months and weeks or in the years prior to Roe v. Wade being overturned. Um, but we would return to a status quo where abortion would be legal in Kentucky and, and you know, other battles for access would be fought rather than just giving people the right to have an abortion. So it is a pretty straightforward challenge to the law saying that she should be entitled to an abortion under the Constitution. Again, this case is like the charter school thing, likely headed to the Supreme Court of Kentucky. Whatever, I, I think it's in Jefferson Circuit Court, but I'm not 100% sure about that, so don't quote me. Wherever it is being heard, they'll rule one way, it may go to the appeals court, they may rule another, and then it will likely find its way up to the Supreme Court who will make the final decision. You know, it is interesting to see how this might get ruled on. Um, I, it, it It's pretty broad. Um, And it is it is very interesting to see what will happen. There was another wrinkle that literally just came out. I'm recording this a little early today. We usually wait till about six o'clock. But I did see earlier today that the ACLU said that the woman who is filing the court case um, you know, discovered that her her child no longer had cardiac activity. Um, and, and they weren't sure exactly how that case would impact the case. There's a, a mutinous argument that likely could be made there. Um, but yeah, it is. Uh, we'll, we'll see what's going on there. Definitely an interesting development around the issue of abortion here in Kentucky, um, and one that likely will need to be unpacked even further as we go along. And it may be over long before it starts, because of the issue um, with that, that um, the the parents uh, baby, and its cardiac activity. Those are the three things I wanted to talk about here on this inauguration day 2022. Julian Carroll died as well. Um, There was a really good obituary for him in the Courier Journal Uh, that I encourage you to go read that you know, uh, we talked about Matt Irwin and I talked about Joe Girth's writing about Dan Johnson's death. Um, This was a similarly nuanced character. Uh, Julian Carroll did a lot of good stuff. He did some stuff that was bad as well. Um, And I felt like the obituary there in the Courier Journal held all of that and was very interesting and a nice remembrance of him um, that I think was fair to both his critics and his supporters alike. I think everybody walked away with that feeling like that was a good encapsulation of that man's life. Um, Kentucky history, it's deeply interesting. And we have had a lot of characters come through this state and he was definitely one of them. All right, that's it for this week. You can find us on you know, Facebook and Twitter at MyOldKYPod. You can find our podcast, the podcasting app of your choice. We have a newsletter that doesn't really come out that often, but it may in the future. And you can find that at tinyletter.com slash MyOldKentuckyPodcast. I don't really promote this that often, but I would encourage you to check out uh, kypoliticaldata.com if you're interested in other sort of political information. Um, I am I operate that website as well. It's got a lot of stuff in there. Last but not least, you can. Uh, we are part of the DimCast and the Forward KY Network. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week.